kind of like a renaissance for the for the whole arcade culture thing because it's kind of like now the social media and whatnot it's kind of reached a peak in a way like mm-hmm. where it actually kind of works and like the tools make sense so it's like now we can like hyperspeed like you can create these dope products and get them to people and we can like you know create these dope interviews like back to back like it's just so much opportunity in all these different spaces so uh we're just really excited about the future yeah definitely and it's interesting that all the uh our case stuff is still centralized. I'm finding on Twitter too, which is, uh, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't even a Twitter person until I started really getting into fighting games. And then after, and then, it, and then especially when I, Esther started, um, was officially launched. Cause you know, like when you start with anything, like, um, I, I, I could only assume Arcade Press has been in the works for already a few years before it actually became what it is now, right? And STR had been just a bunch of notes across, you know, three or four different journals over the over the course of, of time. And then when it became uh, when it became a reality, the I found that Twitter was the space that really ended up being like my primary platform, a lot of the FGC seems to be so focused around that. And the thing that's so that is uh, interesting about about this is that uh, S tier isn't even specifically an uh, fighting game community based company, but because the that community is so ingrained within the arcade uh, era and scene, and it's such a tangible and tactile industry, uh, or our community rather, that. Um, uh, I've, I've immediately noticed that anything that I um, tend to create or uh, market for or even post, if it's fighting game related, does insanely well. Um, and I'll may, I may be in love with, uh, you know, crazy taxi items and, and time crisis and, uh, you know, primal rage and all these other uh, smaller uh, games, but it's very, it's very interesting what the uh, community really flocks to, uh, especially I would say even now in this last drop with the, with the blankets, uh, the everyone loved that uh, Wildest Crossover one, the X-Member Street Fighter one, that one sold out in like a day. Uh, and the other ones took, took the normal amount of time that they usually do, they got uh, more than 60% sold, which is awesome. I mean, in total, I ended up, uh, we, uh, selling over uh, 200 of these blankets, which is which is great because I'm you know I'm just one person really doing all this stuff now at this point. Man, congratulations! Yeah, that's dope. And yeah, I mean it's kind of amazing that Twitter is like the fighting game slash gaming platform. It's insane because you know the other platforms don't do anything close to 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 what Twitter can do. And I'm trying to get people on it you know, that are in gaming that aren't really on it yet. They're more on Instagram, but they're not getting mm-hmm. the traction that they deserve on Instagram. It's it's crazy because like I, I started using Instagram a little bit more mm-hmm. for Arcade Press and like I'm debating really on just not fucking with it. Like because it's so jank and there's no real desktop app for it. You can't really yeah. do shit with it on desktop. And I, I, I'm not like big Actual. on uploading from phone. And it's just insane how like, twitter you could turn up you know what i mean you can yeah. post a hundred times back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and twitter will not penalize you for doing right that. if you do that on instagram you're not about to get no traction yeah you know it's uh, i always say the thing that i'm finding with instagram now is uh because I, I was curious why there was just not the same response either i would now at this point um i'm very fortunate to be able to like i could ta- i could post something i don't even have to tag like, a bunch of you know um prominent figures in either com- in either gaming or fighting game communities and it kind of just gets its own traction on its own now which is really nice and validating to have but that is also still very much focused on fighting game specific product um and i think that uh, i think there's goes to show like because twitter is so fast and lightning and quick and based on reactions, that's kind of why the fighting game community, I think is so attached to it too. It's kind of the same sort of immediate uh, satisfaction response. of right. response, exactly right. Um, so I, I was going somewhere else with that, but um, no, that's, uh, I pretty much like summarize what I was gonna say. But the the, the thing with uh, Twitter is I, I was, I never even used Twitter really before um i'm predominantly an instagram person and with um 
and I said with Twitter, I mean with Instagram specifically, what I'm finding that I, I, I've just started boosting the posts now and man, night and day experience. I did, I've experimented with a couple of different price points and for a couple of different reasons as to why, and everyone sees it. Everyone sees ads in their, in their feed when they're scrolling. Right. And it, it, I think with, um, so we did it. I, I did it here. I did like a hundred dollars of the course of 10 days, right? So 10 bucks a day. I did one at $30 of the course of 10 days, three bucks a day. Right. And, uh, and it puts, it puts your product in so many more in front of so many more eyes of people that are actually looking for these kinds of things. It works how Instagram used to work uh, before this new sort of algorithm thing took over and it, it kind of puts everyone in their own sort of bubble of, of, you know, the, like the top 10 to 20 things that you've liked within the past few months. Right. Mm. Uh, now there's people who've never heard of me, uh, liking everything, sharing stuff. Uh, and even after the promotions have been done, they've just taken a life on their own now and it's grown. I mean, I've seen my Instagram pages are like 50 or 70 followers or something. And now it's getting closer to 1500 now, I think at this point or something like that. And that was just in a matter of just a few weeks. And I, I did not invest that much money into uh, that at all. I think I would say that's something definitely worth looking into, but it's also mm-hmm. interesting. And I guess also not surprising that once you put money into something, it tends to work a uh, hundred times better. <laughs> right. It's kind of uh that's great. That's great uh, wisdom on that. And I, you know, I forget that you can even run ads on IG because I'm so less on it. And Twitter's organic reach is so fucking crazy Yeah, that you're like, you think every platform is supposed to work like that, but it just doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the but- only platform that I ever saw used to do that back in the day was Tumblr. That was super active. Um, sure. And I used to, because before I even did this, I was doing, I worked in video games, but I was, um, when I was, uh, I don't know, 18 or when I was uh, 18, 19, I was working at Activision Blizzard as I was working in QA. And I was also like a freelance video game journalist. And I was, and Tumblr was the main platform. It was like Twitter, but bigger. Um, if that make if that makes sense, uh, and you didn't have any word counts, you still got the same kind of instant gratification of sharing something and seeing a thread pop up. But it was based; it felt like it was based around using a desktop to where Twitter still very, feels very mobile. Right, and then it had that that reblog feature too, so it was yeah. easy for somebody to just be like, "Yo, I made this," you know, or uh, yeah. this person made yep. this. Yeah, it was very it was very uh, helpful, and seeing the. But individuals who also reblogged things was great because then you could, um, it was very easy to find other people who had like like-minded um, mind frames or just styles or, you know, it's really easy to reach out to people. Uh, that was a, that was a good platform. I don't think people really use it as much anymore though. Right. Yeah. I, I've definitely noticed, you know, Tumblr not being uh, as popular, but uh, I think it still has their core dedicated fan base. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about, uh, tell us about, S here, or just tell us about all the projects that you're working on first, and sure. then let's go into each of those kind of projects uh, one okay. at a time. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll start like my 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 main project, like my nine to five, is I'm, I'm actually a restaurant co-founder in Los Angeles. I have a restaurant called Flavors from Afar, and uh, at this at this place, every month we change our cuisine based on a refugee, immigrant, or an asylum seeker we partner with. And then we give that individual 5% of the proceeds before we're taking it to profit. So we're always introducing people to different foods from different uh, parts of the world. So just starting tomorrow, we have food from Syria. We just finished up. Uh, we've done food from what uh, Haiti and Somalia and Egypt and Lebanon and Kenya. And that's the like my main job and getting into food was on accident before, before that I worked in fashion and I still kind of do that vicariously by working on, um, I'm a production assistant for a, a woman led production studio out here. Uh, the last thing I worked on was, uh, we did Naomi Osaka's website and the, am I allowed to say that? It launched. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cause true. I remember we signed, I remember we signed paperwork. So I was, uh, think about that. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, that, that was the last thing I did with them. And then, um, S tier has been something I've been working on for uh, a while just because I really wanted to change the, the mind frame and the lens of what 
sort of video game products and lifestyle goods were in this industry. Everything is so novelty based. Nothing's really intended to, to last forever. It's all very trendy. And, um, and a lot of it is never really like, I would say like uh, too functional. And the, the attention to detail is always so lacking unless you're looking at something like, um, like a sideshow collectibles, right? And those are, and even then those are figurines and not something that you could actively utilize. So um, uh, in my experience in, in, in working with fashion and uh, with tailors and having uh, like leather apprenticeships and, and you know, sort of de- uh, developing an appreciation for, for handmade goods and stories behind uh, what makes certain products so special. That is really the intention for S-Tier is to introduce that to people. I just happen to love video games as well and use that as the vessel for it. But when people see uh, like a Marvel 2 rug, right, or Time Crisis or, or Crazy Taxi is excited that they're um, stoked for the the property, but the uh, what I'm the main takeaway is that you're now seeing something that's completely handmade from scratch. Um, the the quality of the product itself is different. The type of uh, material is that's used is is never really used in a, in a massively produced um, version. And I'm using a New Zealand lamb's wool for those and. The uh, the and the attention to detail and the dedication to the craft of how the the products are made should over time. I mean, it's a new company, right? I'm not saying people are going to pick this up right away, but over the course of time, people will learn to see that if they're going to a store and they see a, a rug uh, that's based on a property, they'll pick it up and say, "Oh, I, I know this. Uh, I could get a better version of this if I." Um, we're just like a little more patient and decided to uh, buy a better product as opposed to something that will won't last within you know the next year or so of use. Right, and that's dope. You know I, uh, that you've been able to make the series, particularly of the rugs, but uh, you know a, a couple of the other products as well. It's such a high quality because it it, it justifies the weight, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think. Um, there's, uh, especially when we first uh, had launched, so like initially the, like the Marvel 2 rug, because that I would say uh, that one maybe flies a little too close to the sun, if you know what I mean. And mm. the, I only had, I only wanted to sell, uh, I only ordered 15 made and then I was going to sell 10, 12 of them, keep one for myself, frame one and give one to like a friend or two, right? And it was going to be like really tiny and then move on to something else. Uh, I didn't want any, you know, like legal trouble and I didn't want, uh, but I wanted some, I wanted to create something that I've always wanted, uh, but also to, uh, you know, make something that people I, I know would love in this community specifically. Uh, and then the free MVC2 movement happened. I didn't know that was even going on. Uh, I wasn't a- incredibly active on Twitter uh, all the time outside of just, um, posting on S tier and then getting off of it essentially. Um, and, oh, and I would reach out to, you actually interviewed him a, a while ago, Ryan, um, NBA jam, the book, uh, I would actually send him messages on Twitter and ask him for advice about like growing my page. And it was him who had said, uh, wait, I, I was initially going to wait till I got 100 followers on Twitter. And then I was at like, I was at 68 and, um, Around the time you just said, waiting is waiting does help, but also just posting it will have your page grow because people are going to see just what's coming up. So I put up those pictures, tagged a, tagged a few folks, did the, did the appropriate hashtags, and then I think I just went to bed. And then I woke up and we were viral with like 1,300 retweets or something like that. Maximilian had said he wanted 10 of them. Just as long I commented, Tasty Steve, Mark Mann, um, all these developers, people at, you know, Xbox ID, like it was written up in Polygon, Kotaku, uh, Game Informer touched on it. Like it was just um, the first time experiencing um, the rapid and uncontrollable uh, growth of the internet and um, seeing what uh, an influx of demand can do to um, a, a small company as well of, of one. At that time, I had uh, a friend of mine, he was helping me out with uh, some of the social media, but he works in, in music uh, uh, for um, uh, one of the artists at Top Dog Entertainment. And now that life has sort of picked back up, 
he's more busy now. And now it's back to me uh, doing everything on my own again. And even at that time, uh, he was the one who had uh, told me that uh, Warrior 64 had even retweeted the thing. That's right. Uh, which was uh, a surprise. And it was, you know, really fortunate, really happy that people really um, uh, paid attention to a unique product and uh, a brand that was really focused on um, creating something uh, worthwhile and, uh, but also with as much care as that the, that community has for Marvel too, right? I mean, that game, I've been playing that game as since I was, since it released. I didn't even know they made another one. I was just in an arcade and it was just there. And um, I played that, my parents played that, my brothers played that. I've had um, so many people, and, and 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 I mean that as like a casual lover. I'm I am ass at the game. I can't do um, Magneto Rom combo to save my life. I can't do any kind of infinite. The Iron Man infinite is actually super super hard to do um, if anyone's never done it before. Like um, I, I'm I'm way more of a, a Street Fighter player than a versus uh, player. But Marvel Two it was just one of those sweet spots in games that is really really deep in terms of like the complexity of what you can do in movement and it controls and combos and you know there's like 60 fucking characters in that game and but if your dad is playing and he sees a bunch of x-men characters he knows he could choose those mash buttons and stuff still happens on screen and he still feels like a badass and you don't get that a lot with um fighting games anymore yeah yeah definitely i i think that's probably the biggest one of the biggest things about marvel is that you could just press a button or a couple of buttons and something happens you know what i mean like it, yeah. that's really fascinating thing about that game and of course it's timeless and uh you know the the when i saw the marvel 2 rug i was just like yeah this is dope right like this is a, <laughs> this is a, this is an obvious thing that like the game needs right this is just so obvious and nobody's done it and and kai and i talk about this a lot there's a lot of things that are just so obvious that it just haven't yeah. been done yet you know what yeah. i mean and yeah and i know you're ramping up to get a lot of those uh pieces out um there's uh i mean so not, i'm sorry not to cut you off brother i'm sorry no no, no go ahead no 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 it's all uh, good it's, there's it's your like so I'm, I'm literally having uh hey it's our interview man we're we're a family um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we i mean i have the all the blankets here uh, here in my like room now, I have some on my bed. I'm looking at these guys. I have concept art for other stuff that um, I haven't even talked about before or brought up. Like um, one of the things I'm super excited for is, is uh, because this whole brand is like, is, is lifestyle based, right? So it's, it starts with rugs now and then it's blankets, but the, you know, I, I have a background in fashion. So clothing is, going to happen and i think the it's it's really about prepping people for the inevitable shift of this becoming more and more like um you're gonna have video game based product but it's gonna be i think um less and less on the nose right um uh and when i mean when i say things like you know too close to the sun like you know i'm not trying to get sued anytime soon right like um uh even though some of these properties that i'm working on are from the you know the mid 90s uh late 90s and i'm using images from ads in japan or europe from artists that don't have legal ramifications in this country right i've done research in that regard but there's you know disney owns everything now and i'm not trying to fuck with that mouse to be honest so i'm a lot more things coming up are a lot more uh uh what's the term um uh, custom created, right? It will still be Marvel 2 based product, but we're going to actually have them drawn now, right? We're not using um, exact likenesses. I think that's why I like the, the rugs are so good because they're um, they are handmade and they look like the characters, but they're, you know, quote unquote, not the characters. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, long term, I mean, I would love to eventually get, you know, things officially licensed and really be able to be on a level of like what brands to look at uh, that are in the sort of same field as me is like what well, you have brands like uh hype land uh 
Collegium just released like Discord shoes, which are looking really great. Um, you've got Bait out there doing great stuff um, and getting to using all those brands as, you know, points of inspiration for of where a, uh, a sort of video game based companies can go or like even companies like 100 Thieves, right? That's at a completely massive level. Uh, and there's... Uh, and those are great points uh, for reference of where a company like this can go. But taking from all of those, I feel like I, I'm doing things maybe just a little bit differently. I'm focusing on, uh, I think, maybe different attributes of what I want uh, this brand to do. And the I, I have no problem, you know, uh, taking my time until it gets to that to that point. Because uh, I have a buddy of mine who, uh, he always says, uh, with a slow spirit. Uh, and I think there's like a lot of truth to that, just taking, to just paying attention and taking in what's really going on. Cause now as much as I would love to make um, different kinds of uh, uh, product based on different kinds of properties, I would be a poor business owner to not make more fighting game stuff and sort of shift the brand to that direction and drop other things intermittently between that. Right. Like um, as much as uh, I think, the you know the brand is growing i think quicker than i even anticipated it to uh i am having to like adjust really quickly while also managing an, another business and working on other projects on the side and it's been uh it's actually been um, really exciting to do right right man that's dope one thing that i've been thinking about recently as we've been ramping up on our side is that like it seems like uh, and you have a lot of experience probably in this because you, you know, you already have a you know successful restaurant business, which, which I saw that you've, you've won some, some awards like best in LA or something like that. Can you talk uh, about that? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So most recently we just um, made the list of 101 best restaurants in Los Angeles by the uh, LA times. And we've been open for just shy two years. Uh, I was just on a panel as well with for Grubhub about restaurant industry trends coming up with Gail Simmons and, uh, Nama of B, uh, BK Lighthouse out in Brooklyn and Ponte okay. Life, which is a great uh, Puerto Rican joint out in, I, I want to say she's in Chicago. And there is, um, I mean, with this, these first two years of restaurant life has been um, pretty wild. I mean, Ellie Magazine and Brian Seacrest and KTLA and Bon Appetit and Food 52 and we were on KCRW. I had a hour and a half long conversation with Bill Addison. And if, uh, if for people who aren't super into food, Bill Addison is like the, um, he is like the goat of LA food critics. Um, he, if there's anyone that you want to be recognized with, it, it's this guy. And um, I'm not even sure how I ended up on a conversation with this man. Like he just called one day and was asking for me. And the next thing I know we're having um, a conversation which then led to a two-page spread, uh, physical print in the LA Times as well, with my, with my photo in it, you know. And I don't know, man. That there, the restaurant life has been um, probably the biggest skeleton key out of any industry out of out, I've worked in, out of fashion, out of working with mentor influencers, out of working in the video game industry. The the food industry has opened up every single door. Everyone's got to eat. Everyone's really excited to hear that you have a restaurant. Um, and then the if you have a social enterprise angle with it and really delicious food, the type of people coming through your doors are um, uh, so incredibly connected. Like I did not anticipate any of this happening um, from, you know, to, to put it lightly, you know, selling chicken, right? So um, that's, um, that has been, that has been a really um, new and unique journey that um, I'm, I've been really um, happy to have partnered with, with my business partner. Um, and, you know. So do you cook? Nope. I'm just a, uh, more like a thought leader. And uh, I, I run several businesses. I've done uh, social enterprise work that has been um, mission-based before in, in fashion as well. And uh, yeah, I kind of fell into the food industry. I mean, on accident. I mean, it was pitched to me and I'm good at just, you know, connecting and sourcing and curating and now we're here wow man that's an amazing story and so 
Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. So you 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 know what good food tastes like. That's how this works. Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is about food that's so um, that's so great is that it is really, truly the biggest cultural connector. I mean, the amount of countries that cook similar things and call them the same name and have no idea that create the same, uh, they don't even know that they make the same thing. Or the fact that um, if you've never been to a country before, and I give you food from that country, your immediate perception of everything about that place is, is incredibly positive and just as much on the adverse too, which is, um, which is, um, which is just as unique and harmful. Um, I think it's uh, food is such a delicious and exciting. And for some people, it's really scary uh, and a wonderful art form that I think uh, like it, there is definitely no detriment to knowing about good food where you live. And uh, it's great just to explore what there is to eat and just, and learn something new every time. Yeah, are, it's amazing. Yeah, do you, and, oh. Yeah, go ahead. Are you guys big foodies yourselves? I mean, like is, I, I'm hard pressed to not at least go to a restaurant I, I try to do like once a week is I think responsible, but uh, I mean, before COVID and I would say even more so when I was working in fashion, food was always there too. And then because it was just like, um, like mentor influencers, is more, it's also more lifestyle based, right? It's not just suits and stuff. It's, it's, you know, cologne and cigars and whiskey and, and, right. and you know, nice restaurants. And there was um, the amount of free food that I got from with my intention of working just about uh, fashion and clothing and, and menswear specifically um, was also interesting too. And finding that there's um, people who are like uh, leather craftsmen and though they make bags and, and chairs and couches, they also make super bougie aprons for high-end chefs. And that's just more of an intersection to show of like how much food kind of intersects with so much stuff uh it's been cool it's been really cool highly suggest people get into it it's a lot it's tons of work a ton of work i can't even stress to you enough how much your life becomes uh what that becomes food but i mean there's there's um worse things to be stressed about you know oh for sure and that's one of the things i've been i've always think about uh is like wow if i were to get into the restaurant business or if you know to get into the restaurant business that seems like you got to have a real stomach for that. No pun intended. Like you got to be going hard on that. Like, cause you got to make sure that the quality's there. Mm -hmm. The, the, I mean, it's just like probably it, hundreds it, of things you had to think about, you know what I mean? That's crazy. I mean, all bro. the time. I mean, and it's, especially when we, cause we opened up during the pandemic on March 20th. Uh, Whoa, 2020, talk about that. Well, that, that sounds like people probably <laughs> thought like, are you crazy? Yeah. You know I, what I mean, we, that, we just kept pushing. And even when we, you know, you're hearing about you know, COVID coming and you think it's just uh, it's a, a fad or whatever, it's right? It's come and go, yeah. It's going to come and go like all these other things that came and went. And then this one just, it just, you know, obviously, I mean, it's still here, right? So um, the, when we first opened up, I mean, fortunately, we still didn't sell zero things, but I mean, our restaurant is right on, is on Fairfax. It's in Little Ethiopia here in Los Angeles. And um, on that day, we saw six cars drive by on that street. And I remember counting that because we're, you know, maybe a four minutes, three minutes drive down the street from like the OVO store and all those things. So, you know, there's, there's active, there's generally people pretty active up and down the street. You know, we're not far from the Grove, which is like a, you know, a really popular um, outdoor farmer's market area and sort of connected to this really bougie mall. Um, we're close to all these sort of, uh, fun touristy things and there's just no one around and even though we started during the pandemic the food was delicious people really liked the mission uh and the uh the intentions of the restaurant were uh from inception were always based about uh giving back and long-term sustainable support so with if you say focus on you know whatever your true attributes are whatever uh you're building and you're 
you're able to kind of pitch and open up doors. I mean, the first article we ever got written about us, I think, was like in Food 52, which is like this national um, uh, publication. And I met the woman who wrote that about us uh, like like three years prior when I was working in fashion. And I just, you know, made a good relationship, remembered the name and sent an Instagram message sometime down the line. I didn't even have her on Instagram at the time, but I just, you know, it's it helps to you know, be social and active and just, um, you know, really attentive to, with all the people you meet because you don't really know what kind of turns your life is going to make. Like, I had no idea I was going to be in a position to really utilize her talent. And I, I didn't even know how, what level of food writer she was until she got us to that platform. And then I'm seeing she's writing a bunch of stuff for like LA Times and Variety and all this jazz. Like, you know, life is just freaking bonkers, man. You, you just got to be just prepared and ready and just um, uh, open to opportunity when it comes. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's amazing. It's a lot of what, what we've been thinking about as well. And just one thing that you touched on earlier was the, you know, kind of like the slow sold sort of thing. And, and it seems like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur or when you're, you know, starting a project, you, you think, okay, I'm ramping up. So the, the tasks are going to come in and, and the yeah. workload is going to come in, but in a way, in a crazy third eye way, it's like, actually just slow it down. Does that make sense? Like, don't, don't wait, like don't postpone, don't stop, but right. like, don't speed up either. Yeah. It's, um, it's just take, take your time and being aware of this, of the circumstances. And, um, when you, when you speed up as you start to make mistakes, right. And when you mm. stop, nothing, nothing happens. Uh, I mean, right now there's, you know, all the orders for like blankets and doing the counts and all the packaging and all these things and the production, like things are still getting made and stuff now as you speak, but the person to, to make all those things and to ship all those things is me. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and stress that I have to ship and pack over 200 in a day. That is not going to happen. Like you gotta, um, uh, really be realistic with your, uh, with yourself set the expectations appropriately like stay up constantly update people right as frequently as you can uh and then um because for me and i, and I i'm only um assuming for you like this isn't my full-time job yet as, as i've already told you and even with the restaurant i still have other jobs too uh there's everyone does so much stuff and i think there's so much people put so much pressure on themselves to do everything so perfectly all the time and even, I mean, the stuff I'm uploading on the website, I'm just taking with my cell phone for now. I would love to use the studio work like I've done in the past, but you just don't have time for that. Anymore. That takes so much time and coordinating right. and, and money. And money. And, and <laughs> yeah. like, and like it's, it's, I don't think people really understand how expensive, if you haven't started something, the upstart cost of a company is always four times as expensive as you anticipated being because everyone needs everyone and every part needs to get paid. And then not only are the individuals we're working with, and then, you know, you buy the website and then you buy the LLC and then you got to buy all the damn stickers that go on this shit. And then like, are you going to design yeah. it or are you going to pay someone else to design it? All right. I'm going to design it. Do I have right. the program? I hope they have a 14 day free trial and I hope I'm good enough to figure that out. Or otherwise I got to start paying a monthly right. fee or buy the program. Like there's all these things that just sort of start popping up that um, it can get really overwhelming. So definitely just, you know, take it easy, do a little bit each day and it, things can get done. I've been working on this brand for a few years and, and it's just starting to it just it just started to actually exist and but because i took my time and worked on it in a few years i'm getting positive results right i took the time and found incredible uh vendors who make uh, who who care about rugs right who when i speak with a bunch of people and say this is what i'm looking for this is the detail that i'm wanting this is the experiences this is the experience that i have and I'm getting samples or I'm buying from other brands that I'm seeing. That's another, that's another big expense is research and development. Um, before right. I even made my first rug, I bought, um, let me count. Uh, eight other rugs from different brands over the course of like a year. Cause all them things are expensive. They come from different parts of the world. They're uh, from the, anywhere from the range of 200 to $400 for each one. Right. So I'm not buying three or four of those at once. Uh, and the, you, you get all those just to see sort of not what the competition's like, but just what 
what are people coming out to there? Expect. Yeah. Like um, it's never about uh, beating or competing with anyone. There's plenty of room for everyone to eat. It's definitely should be always more about community over competition. Um, you will definitely get way more uh, doors open and way more opportunities being open and collaborating than you would be um, trying to hold off to yourself. One thing that I'll find I'm, I'm finding when like I'm looking for vendors, like I've been on the hunt for like varsity jacket vendors for a little bit, for a little while, right? And I, I've, right. I've got some really awesome um, chain stitch embroidery guys out here um, in the arts district. And the idea is to, um, I mean, I guess I'll like, I have Marvel 2 type jackets and Power Stone type jackets and Jet Set Radio Future type stuff. And just um, these things that I like to create. But then when you're you're going online and you know, you're, you're sourcing through all these different like, you know, fashion forums and Reddits and Twitters and no one wants to give up who their vendor is because they feel like it's going to destroy their brand. Like it is, mm. that is not the case. Everyone makes things so differently that um, your your audience just wants to buy from you regardless. Like I'm not right. the only person. And actually you probably get, you, you probably, I mean, depending on the relationship, you could, there could be a, a benefit for you hey, putting that vendor hey, on. You hey, feel what I'm hey, saying? Like, exactly right. Like if anyone that's a company. It's an ecosystem. Own, it's an it, ecosystem. Right. right. I, I put my vendor on other people and then not, he's going to give me cheaper discounts because I'm hooking him up. You know, right. right? It's, right. it's, it, it, it helps for everybody. And it's, it's just a, uh, um, you know, it, you really want to emphasize building together um, because at some point you can't do it alone. Like right now I'm doing things alone and I can't wait to get people on this team because it is like things go a lot slower when you're on your own too. You have to, you have to break things up. Otherwise you're going to burn out and then nothing's going to move. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, uh, you know, obviously we're going to keep covering uh, S tier on arcade press and, and um, we got some new stuff on archives coming too. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you have any video footage of the restaurant or, you know, the process, whatever, if it's not already online, send that to us. We, we definitely got you sure. covered on that. We're big on community. We're big on collaboration. We're big on, uh, you know, sharing wisdom and knowledge. It's like, and I think that most people are down for that too, but they don't know, right? Because there's no, a lot of times in school, you don't get taught business. You don't get taught, mm -hmm. you know, vendors. You don't get taught, uh, you know, QA. You don't get taught this stuff. So you don't know like that, that, that the natural thing is to actually open source it. You know, right. you think that the natural thing is to hide it. Like I remember even back in the day, I had started a nonprofit and uh, it was just a nonprofit. And, and my natural inclination you know, years ago was to be like, you know, I don't really want to share all the ins and outs on how it's going to work. And the dude was like, this dude who also worked at a nonprofit was like, no, nah, man, it's like, I, if you give me you what you're trying to do, I can better help you. And I was like, yeah. oh, duh. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, but, right. but I didn't mm -hmm. know that. I, I thought that in some, cause you, cause, cause like, and you kind of talked about this, like not flying too close to the sun. Like you think people literally think if they make a Marvel two rug, the, the government is going to break down their door. You know what I mean? Nah, and so yeah. it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. more of a fear thing is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's like we operate out of this mode of fear. We think some, somebody's always going to take from us or do something to us. It's not like that. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly People got right. their own stuff to, to worry about. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that like, um, how can I, how can I say this? It's uh the second you start giving answers to other people, you'll start getting answers to your own problems, um, which mm, is pretty that's a fact. because if I'm, I help this person with something and because this person was, is also trained to withhold information, then all of a sudden they're like, Oh wait, I, I have this, this, and this that you can help utilize to help grow you in all these different avenues of, of your brand. So it's, um, uh, I, I can't stress enough. I mean, that's how we even, that's how the restaurant even made it through the pandemic was collaborating with people and having pop-ups and um, uh, going into your own backyard and finding people that you, that were growing with you at the time. And then once you got an opportunity to sort of expand a bit, you didn't forget about them, right? You went back and said, Hey, you're really good at this. Let's, let's do this together. And then, you know, it's, it seems like it's like I'm beating a dead horse and it feels like everyone has said this before, but not everyone people still don't do it and i'm mm. i'm i'm currently living uh proof of it because i'm i'm very aware of it as it's happening i watch something change every day like i went from watching my squarespace um 
uh, freaking traffic go from zero to like you got like fifteen thousand views in a day of people just looking at stuff and sending me emails and just having actual website activity and then being overwhelmed with customer service emails right and then me responding like a customer service person uh and you know it's it's all these things that you know they become uh they seem like daunting tasks but things that you to be really fortunate for because this is what you're working for right this is right now it's go time and right. it uh uh this is where you're um you really got to put your money where your mouth is and see if you're up for this. And this is the part that is hard. Uh, it looks really cool on Twitter, uh, but all the backend stuff sucks. Like right. going through this, I have this spreadsheet. Up. I will send you a picture of this spreadsheet with just numbers on my screen right now. You know, like that's none of that <laughs> makes me want to play video games, <laughs> you know? Right. And, uh, and, right. Uh, and actually there's, that's something to accept too. You get a lot less time to do what you want to do when you're creating things about the shit you want. Right. Uh, right. I would go ahead, man. No, that, that reminds me of something like when, uh, I used to live in New York and, uh, I, I was like focused on, you know, my career, whatnot. So I didn't play any games, you know? And, uh, when I finally got an opportunity to, to make time for gaming and get an Xbox and whatever, it was like the most fun thing ever. But mm -hmm. like just recently, I'm like, I'm not going to really play video games until I create the space. That's mm -hmm. the ideal arcade space mm -hmm. that allows me to work and play video games. You know what I mean? Because it's crazy because when you do people like, you know, of course you, you, I know probably when you were growing up, your parents were like, stop playing so much video games. <laughs> like not, our parents quite were the opposite, quite the opposite. Really? Really? Well, okay. We, okay. My brothers and I, we had uh, over 200 PS one games. Uh, we had a, original nintendo and nintendo 64. i mean we had it but you didn't have like an uh, an aunt or like a grandma or somebody that was like stop playing so much we had all that stuff too no i mean we were able to play as long as we were good in school we played as many games as you want like there was a curfew at time during the school week weekends play as much as you want didn't matter it's it's the right. weekend that's what it's there for and you right. know that and also my my parents are very much like yeah we spent you know Consoles are expensive. They're like, there's still hundreds of dollars then. So right. we didn't pay for this for you to not use it. Uh, so enjoy. We got a bunch of games. We played with our parents. I mean, we didn't have money growing up. Like we're kids. So our parents are the ones taking us to the arcades and stuff and paying. You know, it's funny that um, uh, so many times, like uh, my memories of the arcade, I always say like, yeah, I, I wasted so many quarters in there. I spent so much money. Like I didn't spend any money. My parents mm. spent all this money. I was a, mm. you know, I was a, a child and when um i'm like I'll, I'll be i'm 32 now 33 in the next uh like couple months and uh going in an arcade for me was uh prominent enough because like uh my hometown is palmdale california is up north and that was you know high desert not a lot of you're really kind of disconnected from the main city so you only ever had access to like really cool arcades whenever you came down like and we visited family and then we always made sure we hit up something out here played whatever games and it would it would be like a four or five hour ordeal like oh we're coming down great this is where we're going to be for a while and we're going to play everything for the uh as much as many times as we can get get our fix in before we go up to the desert where you know i mean we were able to see like this, all the stars at night. You didn't really have the freeway wasn't even completely built out there when we um, were living out in Palmdale. So like, um, it was just a super small town. And, right. and then eventually, you know, the internet was created and cell phones became a thing. And uh, we kind of got a little bit of what online was like the like Sega Dreamcast. And uh, I, we had a Philips CDI as well growing up. That was a, it was fun, but it was a shitty, shitty console. That was something that uh, Nintendo and the electronic company Philips made something. And they have uh, a couple of really unique, like Nintendo and Mario, uh, I mean, a Mario and Zelda games on there. Uh, one particular is like this uh, Mario game. You're just going up these elevator shoots and trying to just make it up these different layers to catch, uh, to ca uh, catch Princess Peach. It's, it's format is almost kind of like uh, the original Donkey Kong, uh, but it's... Um, uh, shittier and then the 
the Zelda games are probably two of the two of the worst games that were ever created, and we had those right. guys do. Right. And uh, I mean, from the voice acting to the to the animation. script to the animation to the gameplay itself, like just a terrible system. But I like, but yeah, fortunate enough to have parents who were just like really encouraging for most anything we wanted to do. You know. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we 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 back in uh back in my day, um, we had we, we you know we had we had all the consoles and stuff, but like maybe we would go over a grandparents' house or we would go over like an aunt's house and like we wouldn't even like say hi. You know what I mean? First thing right. we would do is go back to this to the uh, Super Nintendo and like right. turn on Killer Instinct, and it's it's that from like nine a.m. to the in the morning to like ten p.m. at night, like straight. Beautiful. Sounds, you know sounds I mean? magnificent. <laughs> sounds magnificent. <laughs> yeah. So they would always, they would always be like, you guys need to go outside. Y'all are kids. Y'all need to go play basketball or football. We'd be like, fair, fair. match. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but yeah, it's like we got to play these games. I mean, and even so, I'll say even in that same way, we played a lot of games, but we also went to like we went to Laker basketball camps growing up. We were right. we paintballed, uh, football at the park and stuff. I was big into uh, professional paintball. Uh, we only ever. Competed like once or twice because uh, it's such, it was such an expensive sport. And yeah, you got to um, pay for all the paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it, okay, so it's it's like uh, it was like forty five bucks a box for a box of two thousand paintballs, and then a standard X ball match or speedball match, you're gonna go through like two thousand paintballs. So right. you you know, it's just something that wasn't like super accessible. So that ended up becoming not as frequent. And then that's when esports kind of started uh, picking up, becoming a thing. And then I played like Halo 2 competitively a lot and uh, Halo 3 competitively. I was a coach as well. Uh, we got fourth place at this tournament. It was the, the one year E3 was canceled uh, and they, they had this other um, expo called E for All. And we were like team, we were team casual or team casual T. It was something like that. And um uh, I remember we lost to a team sponsored by LG as player LG APOC and the rest of these guys. And they just, they just dusted us so bad. We had such an amazing night before because we beat these really popular semi pros uh, that were really good on like game battles. And they had like a one or two other pro guys on there. And we were um, they're They're just getting, they're just getting washed. And the, we came in feeling really confident after that that win, uh, and that that game took us into overtime. We had to stay like two hours after That's the high. convention was supposed to be closed um, because the games kept going. It was just it was just the tightest thing. I love that one of my favorite memories. Uh, and the the next day we come in, we sit down, LGA Pac, the rest of the LG guys, and it's like that shit didn't matter. Uh, I mean, the amount of just defeat that my team had after the first game. Like I didn't know where it came from. Like, and they, it was, I think it was a best of, it might've been a best of five. And that took, I don't know for, it was halo. Uh, it was halo time. So best of five from these guys, maybe 35 minutes. Like it was a complete dusting. We just were not ready for it at all. And um, they we're losing so bad. Like I couldn't even, coach them better they they had answers to everything um it was it was wild to see you know i i don't know if you ever gone up against like a professional uh player like in, in street fighter or marvel or anything like that but it feels like like blocking just doesn't work like you have to yeah it really, feels like the game's broken right it's it's so bizarre how like yeah. you can feel prepared uh, you say, I, I, I study some of my frame data. I watch his videos. I seen the Twitch. I know he's going to do this. I am ready for everything yeah. Justin Wong is about to do. I was one of the 300 people who lost to him when he started his Guinness Book of Records uh, at Man. that E3. And I remember I hit him once in one mat round, twice in another. And, it's, and it felt like he let me do it just so I right. wouldn't. But uh, it feels amazing when you get that hit, right? <laughs> yo, yo, you're like, yeah, guys, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's about to be over. The tides of the turn yeah. right here. Yeah, bro, it's crazy. It was, uh, it's, it's pretty terrifying uh, to get just steamrolled like that. And it is, um, it's like it's nothing for them. Uh, and it's just so, it's just a fascinating, especially during the, um, uh, the Halo 2 era, I remember, and this one I was competing more, we had, we ran scrims uh, against, 
it was like a mixture of other pros. So like Ghost Ayami and Fallacy and Fear Itself. And um, I think Gandhi was in that. I don't know if these names yeah. mean anything to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. For sure. Um, for sure. Uh, the, uh, Gandhi's working on a rogue company now. I don't know if he's right. still like super on it, but that That's game's right. dope too. Yeah. Is, is that still active? I remember kind of liking I, how the controls felt. It felt tight, uh, but I don't know if it's still like um, as popular as you'd hoped it would be. It wasn't, it wasn't, but I played it about a month ago. It's a ton of fun. I mean, it, okay. I, I don't know what, I don't know. You know, it's still, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a dope concept. It's definitely yeah. not like any other, you know, shooter out there, but it could c- just continue. take time. I mean, Warframe took you, a couple of years before it became, you know, that yeah. million dollar seller, right? So as long as people, developers keep supporting games, there's always a chance. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I remember playing those games and I was in college at the time and it was, it became between doing my final and playing these scrims. And I definitely was, the final definitely lost that night because I wanted to, you know, test my luck, right? And see how good I was. And that was, I mean, a washing of a different sort. I mean, we had a one or two close rounds of like losing 50 to 48. And I, I went positive. I got a couple of good snipes in here and there. But it was just being crossfired by a bunch of pros. Like you take a step off of a platform. And especially on like a level like Warlock. I remember going off spawn, jumping, hitting top, uh, shit, I want to say it was top green was the color it was and um it was like an instantaneous death it was um mm-hmm. and then we were just stuck in the spawn point for like 15 kills we even got out and it is it's interesting how in like in real life you're scared to leave the spawn point too it's like they're really there in the room with you it's uh man it's just so fun to really um see how how uh skilled people can be at a certain games yeah yeah man th- those guys they study it on another level you know, it's like that's like their that's like their job. You know what I mean? Yeah. They jump into that virtual world like Ready Player One. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to play uh, a couple fighting game tournaments and play in a couple of Halo tournaments as well. And Halo, it was Halo 4. So it's a little bit after. Oh, Halo yeah, 2. yeah. A ton of fun. Uh, Did they saw these jetpacks and stuff that happening? They had a lot more. Not on, on four. No, not four. four they did have equipment. They did have okay. a, they did have equipment, okay. but it wasn't jetpacks. Okay. But it was it was it was a solid game. That game was more about they had a what did they, what was the gimmick in Halo Four loadouts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know Reach had loadouts too, but like Reach had the you know it had the armor lock and jetpack yeah. and Sprint. Like Sprint was built in on Halo Four, so everybody had Sprint. But then you would get maybe like a thrust, you know, you know thruster move right. or whatever. Right. So right. I imagine okay. you don't have you don't have time to play Halo Infinite these days. Do you? Um, I have uh, at the like. Um... If I want to play, it's sort of like I'm I'm forcing time and I'll be up until like two or three in the morning because that's when I'm like, I'm going to be able to play. Right now, I'm Diamond 4, I think. And um, same, I think. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, and I was so upset, dude, because when I started, uh, I was just running solos and uh, I had friends like here and there, but some of them weren't like super competitive playing. So I'm over here going, I remember this one game. I, I was so upset we lost. We went like... Um, I, was, I went like 35 and 18 or something like that. And um, it was like CTF and there's so many times and there's like three dead and nothing is moving from the flag. It's just endlessly frustrating because my, my, my background is competitive game. Right. So uh, uh, a lot of losses that were not deserved, but working my way up uh, my baby brother, he's actually very good. He's always been super good. He's played gears of war competitively, which in itself was already like just a different kind of competitive uh, shooter. Yeah. And um, he's, I think he's in Onyx. I want to say he's Onyx 18 something uh, or whatever. So he's, he's super good. He could definitely um, roast me in no time. I, I like Halo Infinite a lot. I think it's my favorite Halo since two or three by far. Um, uh, especially there's one level in particular. It is basically midship and it's my favorite level up, uh, in, in the game. Um, I'm really, I really like what I played. Um, I try to, I wish I could play it just a little I want to be able to play it more, but I want to be able to play Street Fighter more too. Like I've only, and I mean, I want to go back to Wednesday Night Fights. I want to be able to, um, I never got to go to Super Arcade. Uh, I want to have more time to do tournaments online. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a geef main. So any day that I'm not practicing is already, you know, a day behind is already, feels like weeks behind, right. um, especially with how Street Fighter five is uh, and how they've sort of made his entire um 
get meta just around the SPD, uh, which is really unfortunate. I mean, the only good real geek player out there now is well, you have Dr. Denny Pham, uh, and I think there's a oh boy out in Japan. I think it's like Asace or something like that. But um, no one, no Snake Eyes doesn't play anymore. Brutus is in Guilty Gear Strive now. Snake Eyes is in Strive. Uh, Kichipa plays Geef, but he's more of like a, I would say he's probably more of an Abigail uh, man at this point. Um, like the, it's, uh, it really sucks that they, they butchered my boy. I'm hoping he's really good in six, uh, but there's supposed to be a balance patch coming up soon. So, uh, so we'll see what's happening, but I'm hoping he's in six. If he's not in six, I don't, that whatever grappler in there just has better be really cool. Otherwise, like I'll just wait until it comes out. Right. A character I want to play out comes out DLC. Quick, quick question. Kai, mm-hmm. did, does he sound like he's buzzing to you? He's buzzing on my end. Uh, n- nah, nah, the audio sounded. Okay, all right. it's just me then. Okay, it's just me. Okay, I'm just making sure because uh, I just want to make sure the audio is coming through clear and good and everything. Cool. Um, one, one more uh, question. I forgot what I was going to ask you about. Um, oh, oh, I was going to say, man, eventually we got a link because that's, that's what I'm trying to solve. I'm trying to solve this problem of creative people uh, business people that want to play more games. There's got to be a solution to that. And I think it's like integrating <laughs> games into our workspace, you know, and into yeah. our offices, you know, and that's something that, you know, we've, we've talked with Polycade uh, in earlier episodes about this work that they're doing. And uh, yeah, that's something that I'm trying to actually uh, build out is, is an arcade space. And we're seeing, I think arcades are going to come back and they are coming back in a, in a, in a, in a way. I hope um, so. Yeah, and, and they've and they kind of have already come back in the form of barcades, et cetera, et cetera, well, you know. So okay. hopefully, because I'm the same way, man. Like, I, I love doing the work that, that we do, but then it's like, man, I would love to just put in like a couple hours in training mode on Street Fighter or Guilty Gear right. or, or mm-hmm. even Halo. And it's just like, but when I play Halo, for for example, it's like I, I got to do at least four hours minimum. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Minimum. Because the game is so lit. Like, you just got to put that time in on it. And the thing that I'm liking about Halo actually is I enjoy even all the um, the more casual game types are actually really fun too. Um, yeah. And 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 you know I guess all we ever really wanted was a a free to play Halo with you know cosmetics to unlock like everything else. And like of course I of course I paid the nine dollars for the 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 what you call it uh, the battle pass. And it's it's interesting because I, I used to never buy those things, but I'm like I'm an adult now and I, I could spend nine dollars. Right. well right and but and and you said it right man it's halo and if i could give a chance to keep the game i love around i'll definitely do that but um the you had said something about uh space and having time i mean uh in in the video having video games in the space you work at i mean we had those when we worked at um I've even had some offices when they put in arcades and or like like a couple arcade cabinets and the um or when I worked at Activision they had like an arcade space there and it's and it's it's cool to see because it's you it kind of fits the vibe of like when you have a pool table in your space like you're not going to use right. you don't use it necessarily every day but it's nice right. to have that option of something that is like um just a video game to de-stress that's not the game that you're working on you know mm-hmm. um uh, but uh, I think uh, with arcades, uh, yeah, that's what I meant, uh, wanted to mention. I like arcades, but it's not the same. No, um, not at all. It's there's people are there. There's too many people there to just go and treat the space as a bar, which is fine. But I'm there to play video games. So if you're just hanging out casually by the thing, I need you to go. Uh, go drink <laughs> outside, do something else. You're standing in way of the NBA Jam machine, and me and my friends are trying to get it in and put. You know, I hate the fact that they charge you per quarter in that game. That has always been bullshit to me. Um, the, uh, but I, I get the purpose. Uh, but I, I miss when arcades were based on just being about video games and the arcade itself. But I don't know if that's. Uh, I, that just might be a utopia at this point, right? I don't know if people really are interested in that anymore. Um, there's there is a new barcade that opened up out here in in Los Angeles, um, and it, it's just called Barcade, and I like that one a lot too. Uh, but it's um, and they have a lot of great games. They have, a, I think, a bigger selection of and variety of arcade games that I'm more so looking for. There's one in the arts district called 82, and that's 
and that one's kind of cool. Um, but it's um, heavy on the pinball machines, which is not a problem either. But the, um, I guess the variety of games are all stick within like, um, like Pac-Man Galaga era. You get a Street Fighter 2 and maybe they'll have Simpsons or something. But um, it's nothing is really hitting like the excitement of fighting an arcade. It, it, sh- it should feel like a mini, uh, a mini theme park or an amusement park. And that's uh, that allure is just completely lost. There's no um, uh, there's not there's no grandness to an arcade anymore, which is which I think is really unfortunate because that's something that I don't think people really understand uh, why it was so cool. Because now it's uh, it was like a commercialized um, arcade. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, 100 percent. This is something that I think about a lot. And this is something that. I think we have the opportunity to have an impact on, you know, because it's 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 not there in the market right now. And we don't only want it, but in a weird way, we kind of need it, you know, because it's going to really help communities come together and help people, you know, really make fighting games and gaming in general more tangible. You know, not just like an online thing that you do that that's going to take up three or four hours of your time, but like something that like is a part of your lifestyle. Right. Like what right. S tier is doing with 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 product it's not like just another t-shirt or just another rub it's like no this is actually something you can have for a long time you can give as a gift right mm-hmm. right um and actually um you um you had hit the nail on the head with like you said with like fighting games and other communities um i think when arcades at the time there wasn't a lot of um you know video games were still sort of like a, a niche kind of community now it's way more mainstream um everyone is way more invested in video games and there's uh, way more um users with a lot more easier access points to get into the gaming industry now you could have an arcade that you don't need to have alcohol but you have places for people to stream you can house tournaments there you have different brands like polycade or s tier or archives or arcade press hosting things and really make it like a video game communal space right and i think there's now that there's so much more diversity in the industry um, and there's all these different creatives, you, uh, it is uh, maybe just more of a matter of time before uh, that sort of perfect storm happens and something like that exists. You know, so. I, I'm, I'm seeing it now, man. We're, we're about to be building a new uh, Wonder Eggs, like Namco amusement park. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like, you know what I mean? Because just it's not only the work that we're doing, but it's the people behind the work. And that's what Arcade Press is about, is like figuring out who's behind these projects. And every time we, we're just blown away by people like yourself, because it's like, these are not just people who just are your everyday people. These are special people that are doing special work and they believe in your project and, and you believe in them. And what is going to happen within the next five, 10 years? I mean, you know, I just hope that, you know, we're just blessed enough to see it and to take, to be present in it and to, and to use it to give back. Cause it's about to be amazing, you know, and I'm glad that you're doing the work with S tier and, and uh, taste from afar, right. Flavors uh, from yeah. afar. Yeah, that's right. Flavors from afar. Thank you for the kind words, man. I really, I really do appreciate that. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's been really exciting to see like, the reception is is super positive. Even you know what I would even say, even the negative reception is great to see oh, too. Yeah. Because it's 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 it was proving a point that it's like people just don't know what it takes to make something like this. So like especially when the 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 take you for a rug uh, price point dropped, and I was ex- I was anticipating a lot of people not to like it, but the uh, the thing that they're not going to enjoy hearing is that. Even at the price point, it was at three seventy five each. It was still undersold for what the value of the work was. I of mean, course, if, if something takes four weeks to make, you're not going to sell it for one hundred dollars. That is, that does not make it. Is it, you can't form a business off of that. So, um, the and it's not even anything to be like upset about or or even even react to. It's just you know, it's it's you just yeah, they know what know. it is. Yeah. You know what it is, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's like people complaining about the Halo cosmetics. I'm right. like, but fam, y'all buying it though. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, 
That's it's, one part of it. The other part of it is it, the game's free. The other part of it is they got to sell something. Okay, here's the okay, so especially with the Halo one, I'm like the game is free. So they have to make their money up somewhere. So yeah. I get that cosmetics things cost a lot of money, but I mean, for me, the ones that they gave me, I was fine with it. Like whatever. Yeah. I, I didn't need to have, you know, the sparkly rose, cherry blossom, whatever, whatever. Not that important to me. Yeah, if y'all want to make a free game or make free clothes, then make it. You know what right. I'm saying? If y'all mm-hmm. if y'all want to make something open source, make it like or build that. You know, I think that mm-hmm. that's the main thing is that there are a lot of you know companies that we maybe don't necessarily agree with or vibe with, but that's why we build our own projects or that's why we collaborate with people or that's why we console with people to figure out how can we do something that we do like, you know? Right. What's the point of what's the point of everything if everybody's doing, you know, the same thing or something that you know. Yeah, you know, it's you know it's always a, like, it's always okay to create your own lane. Like, um, and uh, if you don't see something that you want, uh, or see something that you feel is done a certain way, it's one. There's always another alternative. Like, I I feel like people get kind of pigeonholed and just what's like really popular, and that's all they see. But but finding something unique and curating is work. It's hard, and it's um it's just like um digging and digging for new music and and it's almost like studying for your homework in a different way like um it's uh it takes a while to find things that uh appeal just to you or are going to hit so many of your very particular um individual needs i mean and, and you just have to like ask much people like even with these these uh blankets that we have it took me a while to find a vendor on my own and then i just asked somebody from a different company that I knew and he just gave me the connection and um, he just said, Oh yeah, we use this guy. And that was it. Didn't want anything from it. Um, didn't uh, expect anything in return. It was just down to help me make my dreams come true, you know? Uh, and it's, there's, and no one was making stuff like this. So there's always a way to get, um, something that you really believe in created. It just takes, um, extra creativity and extra work on your end because no one is going to do it for you. And, um, there's, and you have to be okay with, uh, uh, kind of sacrificing other things to make that one thing exist. You win.